Hey, Gabriel Blake. Hey, Gabriel Jose. Where are we today? Uh, I'm in San Francisco. That's just it. Like all the people that finally just got out of Burning Man. I'm aware this is going to come out in oh, several weeks. My but, God. Uh, they were able yeah. to escape and the, the city streets are covered in playa mud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I was talking with my boyfriend about it. I realized that it was Burning Man because uh, of the news. I think that someone died. They rained like crazy. So people couldn't actually leave. They were trapped in there. So it sounded like a very interesting year. So that's funny because now this year, besides having to, and sorry to the audience, if someone goes to Burning Man, besides having to put up with these people telling you what they're going to be doing next year in Burning Man, you have to put up with them telling you all of the stuff that they couldn't do this year because of the rain. <laughs> I was telling my husband, I, I was like, I think the funniest thing you could do with a burner in conversation with a burner this week is be like, oh, how was it? Didn't you go to a festival? <laughs> and just pretend, no, but you don't know what TikTok, but the, the TikToks of the videos coming out, there's like super expensive cars just stuck in the mud because they tried to leave. And there's like trucks that have burnt on fire, <laughs> stuck in the mud. <laughs> So basically, it was Mad Max. Finally, he materialized their like vision. Kind of, yeah. And it sounds like it was a nightmare, but. Mm, okay. Well. So, where are you, Jose? <laughs> I'm pretty far away from there. I think that there are not so many burners here. I think that no one ever mentioned it to me in Chicago since I moved here. Oh, what's that like? <laughs> <laughs> Well, now what I was telling uh, my boyfriend is that the good thing is that that weekend in San Francisco is amazing because everything is like so empty that is like it's only like some tourists that they come, you know, like to the city. But besides that, there is no one. So there's um, one of our favorite gay bars in San Francisco is called Lone Star, and um, we know just because we're you and me were like real regulars, like we know the, the people. So yep. I went into Lone Star twice alone during Burning Man and the owner, Bruce was there. And both times he's like, you're my first customer in 45 minutes, man. I've never seen anything like this. Like the, the city was dead, yeah. dead. Yeah, yeah, no, I love it. And I'm, I'm sad that I wasn't there for enjoying it with you. I wish you had been there. I actually got very nostalgic for swimming with you at the hotel this weekend. <laughs> yeah, maybe next time they're under. Maybe we can plan that. Uh, but like, what did we watch this time? This was your pick. <laughs> and you love this movie, so I know why you picked it. <laughs> sure, you sure. Icon, which mm -hmm. came out in 2018. I yeah. can't believe it's that long ago. Wow, time flies. Yeah, I mean, just think that the pandemic started in 2020, so everything got stopped back then. So it had yeah. to be in 2019 or 2018. There were the only two options for this movie. And um, honestly, I don't remember why I picked it. Probably last week when uh, when we recorded, I mentioned something, but probably we were talking a bit more about movies that we used to like when they were released that we thought that they were like really good. And this movie, I remember I brought it up like many times to you about like, I felt like after watching it, it's like, oh my God, this was really, really good. But you didn't feel the same way. So I always had in the back of my mind, it's like, was, was this really good? Or for some weird reason, I really connected with this movie. 
that I cannot identify. Well, I'm looking forward to discussing it with you because I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> I'm sure you do. So, as this was my pick, I guess that you actually have to, before telling me your thoughts about it, tell me what this movie was about. I feel like giving a synopsis is kind of ridiculous because, like, the entire world knows the story of Tanya Harding. I didn't uh, know it. We've, you didn't know when this. I mean, no. I was like, we were watching this happen. Like when her shoelaces break broke, I watched that live. Like everyone was just like, "What is going on?" Yeah, you know, yeah, that she was the most well-known person in the world next after Bill Clinton. That's how big of a scandal it was in America. It was enormous. I, well, I mean, the thing is, uh, one of my exes is that he used to be really into ice skating. And he was the first person that he told me about the story. And at that point, it had already been many years since that happened. But you would also would have been a pretty young kid in Spain. I mean, the chances of you caring about ice skating at the Olympics. Wait, but it wasn't it? Yeah, in 94, when the incident yeah. happened. Okay, yeah, I was 14. Sure. I think you're busy doing other things. Um, so, I mean, this is the story of Tanya. We get introduced to her, her family, the man who becomes her boyfriend, and we witness her successes and failures at various ice skating championships i'm not going to get the terminology correctly That's um her she's in an abusive relationship with her husband and they have what's kind of a stereotypical like what you would expect of the archetype of the white trash people a very violent from both sides marriage but they can't stay away from each other um there is i think kind of a very dysfunctional genuine love between them but like these people just know uh so she really wants to get to the uh, i don't like what details do you think are important she can't afford really to compete in this world and the people see her as white trash and she can't afford the expensive costumes that everybody does she's very much just disrespected 100 yeah. percent um and she fights against that despite having little to no support which we see when her husband um decides to take her career into his own hands and um basically gets Nancy Kerrigan <laughs> uh, ruins her knee uh, yep. which wasn't supposed to although the film plays very cleverly with the dishonest narrators Oh yeah, um, and what really happened and how this really is just a comedy of absurdity um, and then ultimately we see after her um, when she finally joined the Olympic teams and she was able to <laughs> to perform even though she just had Nancy Kerrigan attacked immediately after there's the trial and we find out that she has been from skating forever and the world just kind of bent her over and fucked her even though she didn't really deserve that much respect like it, it, this is kind of an underdog that you can care for she actually says I think that you're suppressing something very important that is a very unreliable narrator movie pretty based on that because they interview three characters that is Tonya, uh, the uh, husband, the ex-husband, Jeff, I think that it was, and the mother, Lavona. I love that name. And it's like all of them, you know, give like some modified accountant of what happened on it. But every single time Tonya repeats over and over, it wasn't my fault. 
it just wasn't my fault. It's that the Sula is broke. It's, that it's true. It's that that wasn't her fault. But everything else wasn't her fault in any kind of way. She was a bit of the victim of the circumstances. So it also paints it under a light of a this a person that is true. Is that she had like some conditions around and some I don't know like judgment from society because of not being as perfect as expected for an IS skater. But also at the same time, is someone that doesn't really want the accountability associated with her actions. Yeah, she's not she's not really a good person at all. <laughs> no. no. If she deserves what happened, probably not, but But the filmmakers managed to make her very empathetic because like yeah, she was a trashy person, not because of how she was right, well yes, but she was also the victim of a lot of abuse and it yeah. at the very end when she's like and then I got abused all over again by you. And she's talking into the, the camera. And I was like, fuck, that just breaks my heart <laughs> in a weird way. Um, but the going off the serious issue, the way they played with the unreliable narrator was so fucking cool because they would show the actors playing out a scene. But Tanya would be narrating and she would be like, and this wasn't true. I never did this. And then she would do it on screen and say, like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So who should we trust? You know, who will follow exactly. those people? You know. And I believe that the media probably got everything wrong. So I'm like, I'm not going to go back and read the media reports. I don't think anybody knows the true story here. Nobody. But this, that's the and that's the part of the thing that is interesting. Albert is a bit heavy-handed, but the how he actually ends that is like, hey, at the end, it's like you all punish me. You all wanted like a reality of how these things like happen and at the end she got like penalized in a way that it was even worse than the people that committed the crime you know and it's like because it was just like saying it's like hey you are not the pretty girl that we want in a role like this as an ice skater representing our country we don't want that we want nancy kerrigan is that you may be a product of everything bad or you know many things that are bad with this country you know but at the same time we don't want you we don't want you to represent us because you are a reminder that we have ugly sides in this country i have complex thoughts about that because um First off, they didn't want the riffraff in the in the organization because they brought trouble and scandal. Is that what ended up happening? Yes. And also, I don't I'm not aware of how much of ice skating is pageantry and like, you know, being the what thing. If pageantry is taken into account, then they're judging them based on the things they're supposed to judge them on, right? Which well, is officially and being beautiful and sticking to your lanes officially officially is not did you know officially I think oh it's that not officially give... part of the scores no i mean i, there I don't is know not... yeah, yeah, yeah i mean i think that they actually say uh, let me just if paul were here i probably he would just tell you like you know out of his top of his mind you know and he would actually tell you why the scores were like that but i think that they this played a bit more on execution, presentation, and something, and something else. And I think that presentation is not directly related into a. Hey, are you dancing to Vivaldi or are you dancing to CC Top? Yep, yeah, yeah, more... I can see. It. But if there's an yeah, established yeah. culture of everyone is supposed to dance to classical music, for instance, and then somebody comes in and dances to Get Your Freak On by Missy Elliott, 
just because precedence baseline has been established and you're outside of that it's not that it's bad i love get your freak on by miss Elliott. i'd be more likely to watch ice skating if if they played that music but you have to play by the rules of the game that you're trying to join but it- why if they're not like explicit rules you know is like you are like just creating a bit of a close environment that is like hey if you are poor you cannot participate in this it's not that she was poor there were lots of poor people that weren't horrible people in that movie it's that she was a bad person all of these people were bad people and to be a bad person it just because you're poor doesn't mean you're a bad person no, it's not, but it's of representation. Yeah. Um, the thing is, like, it's not that it's a bad person, but it's like, just imagine that you have a passion for something and you're really good at that something. But it's like, then they tell you that it's like, hey, you may not be as good as you think because you don't look exactly like everyone else. Oh, yeah, that's, that's straight up discrimination, 100%. In this case, is that she's poor, and she actually, when she does that fur jacket, is that they have the rabbits. Is that they just do it like at home? Is that, that I found like very charming at the same time disturbing? But I feel it's like, well, if they're poor, what are they going to do otherwise? Yeah, I mean, she she was the victimizer, and she is genuinely the victim of a ton of abuse, of a broken system, of prejudice, harassment, discrimination, 100%. She was also a bad person. Yeah, yeah. I think you can be a victim of discrimination, harassment, and abuse, and grow up poor, and not be a bad person. You can. I mean, that's the reason what I say, that, hey, she repeats over and over, it's like, that wasn't my fault, or I didn't do that. It's like, I, no one really thinks that you're a saint, believe me, you know, <laughs> because it's true that maybe you were not the one busting the kneecap of someone else, but you were also a bitch of many other circumstances. Yeah, and also she invited a very, very violent criminal into her world repeatedly, and I mean... Well, maybe she didn't know that part. I mean, because the guy, the, the, the friend of the husband, is that that guy is delirious. Is that you wouldn't take that guy seriously. I love that interview at the end when they asked him, he's like, so what did you do? He's like, yeah, I focus in counter-espionage. And he's like, no, you're unemployed. And he's like, no, but I, it's off the record. He's like, but I do. And no, you don't. Like, but I do. Like, okay, let's move on. Is that that's hilarious. Is like, if you are surrounded by that, that people is like, you don't expect them to end up in a situation like this. You expect them as like, this guy is, is insane. It's fine. It's I do think the, the, the film walks a very fine line between, uh, again, making us empathize about these characters and the absurd comedy. Um, like this guy, he's not like a real human being. I'd love to watch the real videos of him being interviewed. Um, so he's at the extreme end, right? And then we have like, uh, Allison Janey, who is so good at acting, she can make the most absurd comedy be like, yeah, I, I believe this woman exists with her parrot that lives behind a porn store. This woman exists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I saw the, at the end of the movie, as I was saying, they have a snippets where you can compare them with their counterparts, their real-life counterparts. And they did a good job. All of them. The, the film is good. It's a good film. It's better than I remember. And I think the only reason that it 
because I did again. I technically I noticed this is kind of exceptional. I would say, um, I think it just hits too close to home. This how <laughs> how because I was I grew up in rural like Hickville, okay. Idaho, and grew up pretty <laughs> poor, and I'm like, hey, <laughs> are you judging? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, one thing. When the movie ended, uh, I was talking with my boyfriend, and I was saying, look, the reason why I really like this movie is because it's not only about Tonya itself, it's that Tonya is being like a vehicle for just expressing or trying to hold like a mirror to the country about like how, I mean, heavy-handed, as I was telling you, when she's boxing at the end, that is like, okay, yes, she's making an assessment that I can see where it's coming from, and we are using Tony as a vehicle for just saying you want everything perfect, but what you really want is the drama. You want to penalize things that they are not as you want them to be. And you enjoyed that. So I think this is clearly the mark of a good film when we can keep a conversation about different parts of it. Um, but it, it is interesting that I do feel like that system harassed and judged her and all she wanted was to skate and they kicked her out because she didn't have the right costume or the right nail polish. But then she gave them the drama that wouldn't allow the Olympic Committee to cut them out because every TV in America was turned to her performance and like it wanted it. There's no way they could. So I think she played the system as like, I'll make it so you can't not let me perform at the Olympics. All right, so you're saying that, if, for example, if Tonya Harding would have won a medal in the Olympics, she couldn't have been kicked out? No, what I'm saying is that even if they thought that she had something to do with the attack, they couldn't stop her from competing because CBS had paid for a shit ton of rights to air the Olympic events and everyone was going to be watching this and everyone did. I'm sure it was the highest rated hour on television that year. Okay, that's fair, but at the same time, is that probably it would have been Nancy Kerrigan also perform. Is that it would have still been seen by all of the USA homes, you know, yeah, without but they, the, they wanted the the competition between the two. That was so, the state. That's what CBS paid to air this these two people competing. I don't know, man. I mean, it makes it even worse. That is like, they basically use it as a toy until they didn't have like more usage. And at that point is that they penalize her even more. Because like, so, we're done with this toy. This is my theory that that's the story the filmmakers wanted to tell us. <laughs> it's subjective, I can get it. But sure. I personally don't think Tanya Harding was smart enough to do that. <laughs> <sighs> what do you mean about I see? directly like Tony Harding not being smart enough. I'm just saying that's giving her a lot of credit to like get oh. the system to make it so CBS has to air her competition. No, that's a I, little like above and yeah. beyond what that team of ragtag individuals could accomplish. Yeah, I think that's like way too much. I think that Tony, Tony at least is depicted as heartfelt. I mean, from the perspective of it's like, hey, I really want to participate. This is my dream. I want this to happen. So for her, she was like 100% like focus. I mean, it's hilarious that then the way that she actually finds for doing that is that, hey, I'm going to be speaking up that my husband was the one that planned everything. <laughs> That's immediately betraying him. You know, that he's like, cool. He's like, they gave me your transcript. <laughs> what those fuckers? <laughs> Look, and I honestly say, I, I usually have to give even more credit to movies 
that they are comedies and I feel like they are smart and they made me laugh. I yeah. laugh aloud multiple times. All, all of that yeah. for me. Was, yeah. This is a yeah, so for me, it's like this movie was still as good as I remember it. I still think that it's not superlative, you know? I think that this missing is missing something. I still cannot put the finger. I feel like it's too heavy-handed on the idea of uh, the point that it's trying to make or the points that it's trying to make beyond the biopic part. But the biopic part is like is super enjoyable to me. Yeah. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. It's not that every film needs to have a message, but like, okay, was the point just to watch the world chew up I, Tanya, and she took everyone else down that she could on her way out? <laughs> That's fine, but... <laughs> it's enjoyable. But the thing is, I feel like it's a bit more of a wasted opportunity that is like, you could have been exceptional. You could have been like, just like materializing this point in a bit more of a subtle way instead of breaking the fourth wall and just saying, it's like, it was your fault. It's like, that is cool. The point is still stands, but tiny bit more a tiny bit more i don't know exactly how to materialize it is a it would have been amazing is that that's the part that really hurts a bit movie that's that's the opinion i remember having the first time i saw it i was like it's almost great um yeah 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 uh so you had a good time watching it i didn't i really liked it yeah and this was the second time that you watched it yeah i think the, i only watched it once when it was in theaters Oh, well. yeah, yeah, same here. I only watched it once and I remember like just liking it so much that I've been insisting that we should watch it again. Yep, and I'm glad should you we... did. Yeah, should we go over the questions? Yes, sir. So, would you watch it again? Yeah. Would you watch it again in six months, three months? Honestly, like if my husband was like, oh, I saw you're watching Aitan, you do want to watch it with me? I'd probably sit down and watch it with him tomorrow. It's like funny enough, like you can, and I could walk to the bathroom and come back and then catch one joke and laugh. And yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I think that uh, I watch it again, like in two months. And it's funny because the other day you brought up a couple of movies that you wanted to watch. And I was like, oh, mom, yeah, I just watched that one. Or yeah, I watched that one last year. And they were really good movies, but also at the same time, they feel like movies that I'm going to enjoy watching it again. But a part of me is like, it's too soon. So, and definitely, yeah, and definitely for those two that we mentioned, is that like, I want to watch it again. I want to record like talking about them. But I always have the feeling that like, would you watch it again? Is like. It has like a time frame, like an expiration stamp that you will put to it. It's like you will watch it tomorrow, you will watch it in a month, in six months, a year, two years. And also, if you try to rewatch something too soon, it ruins it. And you're like, this is overly familiar. I'm not into this. Yeah. Not so I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, but I agree with you on this one. It's like, this is enjoyable enough. And it's something that you can still disconnect for a tiny bit. And then just going back to it because you know the story already. Yeah. So uh, would you recommend it? Yeah, it's not going to be at the top of any list, but it would be on several lists <laughs> of mm. movies I would recommend. This week, I actually thought about several other movies that after watching, we forgot to talk about like some of the other movies that I watched this week, but uh, I would recommend this one quite a bit, and I think that is the best true crime biopic movie out there. It's not really crime. It is, no, I guess. 
there's you've got the Truman Capote films, both the the yeah, there's much better true crime film out there. Oh wait, wait, wait a second, are you talking about the untouchables? Oh no, Truman I'm Capote, Truman Capote, no, Al Capote. Al Capone. No, no. Okay. The guy who wrote um Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That one. <laughs> but yeah, it would not be at the top of any of this. I don't think this is like the quintessential, you know, exemplary example from anything, but it's good. Maybe if someone was like, hey, I want a lighthearted comedy for my friend's night, my friend's movie night. That's something I'd be like, yeah, check this out. But it would mean that I didn't think you could take something more intelligent. <laughs> oh my. Oh my. Goodness. Okay, no. I would recommend this to everyone. I'm still like surprisingly in love with this movie. I am still not completely sure why, but like it resonates with me in a way that is like just give me a comedy. Is that I Tonya is probably going to be like one of the first names that it comes to my mind. Yeah. Uh would you remember it? Yeah, I I remembered a surprising amount, but there were like a, a pleasant number of surprises that I had forgotten about. Um, yeah. So I would, yeah, I would say I'd remember it yeah. more or less. I think that I have forgotten a lot of the uh, sad points of the movie. Like when the mother goes and it was like, they are like just connecting at last. And it's like, no, she's, she's just a bitch. And that scene in the cafe where the she said, did you ever love me, mom? And she's like, nobody's mom loves them. And I was like, this is like the saddest conversation. Yeah. Who says that? Yeah. I have to say, I love. What is the name of the of the woman that plays Alison the mother? Janey. Alison Janey. She does an amazing. She's a national treasure. She's <laughs> amazing. She's good in everything. She's in yeah. all those. Um, what's that fucked up director? I can't think of his name. Welcome to the Dollhouse. It's Welcome to the Dollhouse. The guy no. who does. Oh, 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 it's a Solon. Todd Solomon. Yeah, Todd Solons. She's in all his shit, and she does that like weird, unhappy older lady so well that it's like. Oh. <laughs> so basically, she does George Andrew. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. That's fair. Oh, she was also the mother in uh, in Juno. Yeah. Ooh, I forgot that. Yeah, and she was also the wife in The Hours, Meryl Streep's wife. She's really a really good actress, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm surprised that it's not more popular. She's the voice of Kaiser Permanente, Northern California, on the radio. <laughs> good. Good for them. Uh, is there anything artistic about Antonio? Yeah, the way they play with the narrative and the storytelling structure, it's very creative. The, the unreliable narrator, that's one of my favorite devices. When used well, um, yep. And they did. So, yeah, I, I this is good storytelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think without like giving away other unreliable narrator kind of movies, is that this one, I love the immediate payoff. of You see the interview and immediately you see them like, nope, that's not what happened. These people are not as good as they think they are. Let's just leave it there. Uh, yeah, for me, there is, there is quite a bit artistic. I mean, there are like some parts a bit heavy handed. But I'm fine. I mean, I did you like like the triple axel scene when she's about to land the triple axel in a slow mo? And they stopped it right at the at the before she lands. 
Well, you see her landing, you know, but it's like in a slow motion that scenes and then they actually connect to it when she's boxing at the end. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did like that. Yeah, I thought that it was fine. Uh, it felt a bit out of place because the rest of the movie was trying to be a bit more grounded in reality. And that scene felt like, yeah, this is almost dreamlike. But I guess that it connects with the idea of no other woman had done it before. I don't remember anything notable about that scene, so I must not have minded. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, do you think that this is a timeless piece? I do. I do, and the only reason I hesitate is because, you know, it happens in the early 90s, which in the country is like, you know, the mid-80s. Um, so it feels like, like a period piece in terms of it looks like it came out of 1985, but it's just a period piece, not stuck, like it's not you know, going to be timely. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I think that as, as, as sorry for this expression, white trash exists in this country is <laughs> going to resonate to some extent. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Would you turn this into a TV show? Honestly, well, first off, it was two hours. They could have easily broken that up into four. 30 minute episodes it, you could yeah. have consumed it easily in ep like episodically um yeah i would like if they wanted to throw another hour honestly i'd watch six episodes of this no no me too i agree i think that this is the only thing that i felt like a bit strange to me that i have forgotten is that of course they do like a lot of focus on the incident and what happened afterwards but is that the incident happens halfway through the movie so at the end, I had the feeling it's like you really want to focus on the aftermath of that incident because it's true. It's like when most of the absurdity like came from. Yeah, but I th I feel like that's everyone. I would feel like most Americans that were alive at that time knew the story of everything leading up to it. Mm. Okay. But then she just disappeared from the limelight, you know, and went into the justice system. And you saw she had to try to do boxing, which I remember hearing about and thinking that's sad she's having to do that. Um, but yeah, I think the filmmakers really wanted to underscore how much the world chewed her up. Yeah. Uh, could this movie have been a short? No, absolutely not. In fact, when I saw it was two hours long, I was like, God damn it. They, it was tight, it was quick, yep. it was yep. good. Yep, yep, yep. It was like one of those that is like, hey, you know, it's true, I could go to the restroom and maybe I'm not going to be like missing the most critical scene, but I don't want to. Yep, no, I, I paused when I walked out of the room, which I usually don't do, so. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's a bit more, it's like, hey, it's so engaging and I'm having like such a good time watching this that it's like, I, 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 just, I just want to enjoy the whole thing. Um, do you think that this movie could have been better? Um, yeah, like we mentioned earlier, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know what needs to just, it just needs to be slightly more elevated um, or add something to it. And I don't know what it is, but my answer is still yes. Yeah, my answer is still yes. Uh, and I agree with you. I don't know what it is. Maybe a bit of uh, drawing a blank about what could be different about it it's just that i don't know People maybe like get mad at me for saying this but do you think it's just that margot robbie can't carry a film as the main 
she she she's a good actress. I'm not saying that. And I think she did great in this movie. And I think she won the Oscar or she was nominated. No, 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 no. Um, but she doesn't have that like like that thing that happens when Quentin Tarantino directs Uma Thurman, and when Uma Thurman's on the screen, it's just like we could do this all night long, right? She doesn't quite have that yet. I I'm not Although sure. Barbie, but Barbie was five years later, so maybe she's just improving her acting jobs. And she does a good job in Babylon 2, Amsterdam, but eh, she did like a lot of these Harley Quinn roles at the same time. I don't know. Didn't, yeah, she was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but she's not carrying the movie. No. She's just like, and I don't think she's quite strong enough. Honestly, I don't know. I don't know if that's that's the thing. There is something weird because I agree with you that she's a great actress, but there is not the same oomph that I see, for example, like with Emma Stone. Yeah, exactly. Or for me, Dude. Angelina Jolie. Like all joking aside, she can command a presence on screen and she can carry the movie for two hours. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, Angelina Jolie has like a. I'm going to say like a tiny bit more aggressive presence on the screen. Yeah, that's true. Emma Stone doesn't tend to be like too aggressive. Yeah, there are different ways you can carry a film. I agree. Yeah. There are different styles. I just don't think, yeah, I just don't think she's a strong enough actor, or at least she wasn't back then. I'll look closer at her future performances. Huh, okay. No, no, you may, you may be right. Honestly, uh, she has like one more. Oh my god, untitled Margot Robbie Ocean's Eleven film. That's her next movie. Oof. Well, let's <laughs> see where that goes. <laughs> I don't know if this is real or not, but in IMDb, the only cast that is us is Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling. Uh, I'm sure they got some super lucrative deal after Barbie did so well. Like, yep, they're greenlit the, the Ocean's Eleven reboot. Like, uh, okay. Um, so these were all of the questions. Should we score it? Yes. As this was my pick, you had to pick it first. You had to score it first. I'm going to go with a 7.5. Okay. I'm going to go with an 8.5. I was going back and forth between 7.5 and 8, but yeah. I totally yeah, respect it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was like between 8 and 8.5, and it's what I was saying at the end. It's like, I had a blast of a time in a comedy. Super fun film. Super yeah. fun film to watch. So is that from that perspective, it's like, I feel like that's not that common, you know? Is that, that I cannot, like, poke, like, holes at individual things. It's like, I feel it's like this is a rounded film, a really rounded film. That's a good point. There's, there's no major complaint here. It's just good all around. Yeah, 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 that it could have been better. Sure, it could have been like a masterpiece. If, but we don't know exactly what you know, like what could change. And that's like something that most of the time, in some of the on some of the movies, we say that it's like if the script was tighter or if the script was like less focused on X versus Y. In this one, I just feel it's like the changes would have to be like so nuanced that get them right. It would be like pretty hard without like risking like the whole thing like falling apart. So. Yep. I agree. Yeah, um, I'm astonished. So, as this was my pick, I guess that you have to pick Ness. Yes, 
we're gonna go watch a real period piece film, um, 1998's Kate uh, Blanchett classic Elizabeth, for which I believe she won her first Oscar. Oh well, I didn't know that. With a period of peace, what a surprise, surprise. from the Academy. Yeah. Come uh, looking forward to watch more Kate with you. I love watching Kate with you. <laughs> and to all of those four people listening to us, thank you so much for putting with us. And... Mm, sure. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>